Welcome to Tell Me About It on WUFT 89.1 and 90.1. I'm Sue Wagner here today with one of our famous residents here <laughs> in North Central Florida. His name is Michael Presley Bobbitt, a clam ambassador extraordinaire, a playwright, and now he's adding novelist to his title. So he's traveled here today from Cedar Key to share information about a new book as well as other ventures that he's been participating in. And he's just funny, so that's why we want him here. <laughs> this is our humor segment of oh, Tell gosh. Me About It today. So, Michael, welcome, and please tell us what's been going on. Hi, Sue. Well, thanks so much for having me here. Uh, about uh, four years ago, I moved from uh, Gainesville to Cedar Key. Uh, I've always loved Cedar Key. When I first got my pilot's license 22 years ago, uh, I started coming every other weekend, and it took me about 22 years to learn how to move there. But now I'm where I think I've always meant to be, and I've uh, just found a way to be a part of that community, as uh, the, clam, the clam industry. And uh, you guys probably know me uh, as a playwright. I've been here on the network many times to talk about my plays. But I've always really wanted to be a novelist, and I just wasn't good enough yet to do it. And so nine plays over 10 years later, um, plays that have shown from New York City to, to uh, all, over, all over Florida, I feel like I finally had the writing chops to write a novel. So this is, uh, this is my debut novel. It's called Godspeed, Cedar Key. And I'm just real excited to share it with everyone. And uh, what exactly might it be about? So the story follows the tiny island of Cedar Key after a global nuclear holocaust. And, <laughs> Something uh, light and <laughs> yeah, light and funny. So, I, but I, I like to tell people that it's an anti-dystopian novel. That it's really a novel about the essential need for human beings to live in true community with one another. So it's it's a little bit of a sleight of hand. It's a huge story about the end of the world told really small on this island. It's it's really about how, how the island leans on the example of their forebears and the history of the island, um, and they lean into community to survive this terrible event. But um, it was the book is really a, a love letter from me to, to Cedar Key, my favorite place on earth. A lot of times when novelists delve into a subject, there's a whole lot of research they have to do. Mm -hmm. So you've been studying nuclear disasters? <laughs> well, that and also um, by talking about, uh, by writing a story about the end of the world, um, this is really a vehicle for me to tell a 180-year oral history of the island. Because, because okay. yeah, with the loss of most modern technology and conveniences, uh, the folks on the island really, their only way to have any chance to survive is to learn how folks from previous generations lived on the island. So you'll see throughout the book, um, I mean, I spent just months digging into the, the, the smallest parts, the details of Cedar Key history. You'll see it all the way back to pre-Civil War days uh, right on up to the modern digital age. And Cedar Key is actually a series of islands. Is that correct? It's not just one? Yes, ma'am. It's uh, 13 barrier islands uh, they, that start just across the number four bridge from the mainland, and they extend roughly five miles out into the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, most of the islands are deserted or never had any development. But an interesting story, the main island of what we think of as Cedar Key today is on an island called Way Key. But it used to really mostly be on Atsina Odi, the island just across. If you're sitting there at steamers on Dock Street and eating that island you see just <laughs> yeah, across we the go channel. There. <laughs> well, the great Cedar Key hurricane of 1896 sent a 10-foot high, 100-mile-an-hour wall of water in the middle of the night and washed almost everyone into the channel. And they said, well, we've had enough of that. It was the third such storm in about 30 years. So the town mostly reconstituted itself on what we think of as Cedar Key today. How big is Cedar Key? It's not very large, right? It's not. So the main island of Waikiki is about 140 acres. Um, there are 750 of us, give or take, that live there uh, full time. And that number has uh, risen and fallen over the years. Uh, the railroad came to the island in 1860 
the Senator David Levy-Uly wanted to connect uh, the Gulf of Mexico with the Atlantic Ocean. And during the railroad years, the population of the island ballooned to over 5,000. It was a bustling seaport. Um, but now we're, you know, we're an island of clam farmers and uh, crabbers and, and commercial fishermen and artists. And uh, it's, I like to call it really the last piece of old Florida remaining. It's a bulwark. It's fixed in place and time. And we're doing everything we can to keep it like it is. I, also, I like to say hashtag Cedar Key, not Siesta Key. <laughs> there you go. I had often heard, uh, I don't know if this is hearsay, but there were lots of cedar trees near mm-hmm. the island, and Cedar Key got its name because the wood was used for those giant pencils when you were in kindergarten. Sure. The Eberhard, is that true? It is. The Eberhard Faber Pencil Company had a sawmill out on at Senaody. And uh, you know, back in the day, uh, conservation was not you know part of the, the <laughs> vocabulary of industry. So the the area was abundant with red cedar trees, not just the island of Cedar Key, but all the way up the Suwannee River basin. Uh, and they basically harvested harvested every last cedar tree they could get their hands on, and they would even sail them down the down the uh, Suwannee River on big paddle wheel river boats. Uh, and then they would send, they would mill them on, at Senaody and send them to a factory in New York City, right on the East River there, and uh, and turn them into the pencil slats. But when the when they had finally used up all the trees, they you know they moved on. Yeah, palm trees don't work as well. That's right. We, I always say that we have we have a handful of cedar trees left on Cedar Key, but it's pretty shameful how few we have for an island that that calls itself Cedar Key. We did have a high school student a couple of years ago um, on his own volition put together a program to take cuttings and to create a version of the heritage cedar trees that were there, mm-hmm. and they they grew 500 of them at the high school. And we've been systematically planting them around the island to try to to try to get the island back to what it used yeah. to be. Well, if they were there before, no doubt that's the environment that they can exist in. Yes, ma'am. They seem to somehow do well in the salty so- soil and the salt air, uh, the sandy soil and the salt air. It's hard to grow much of anything on the island, but the cedar key- trees seem to like it. Well, I think one of your other roles on the island is one that you've appointed <laughs> to yourself, and it's called the Clambassador. Clambassador. I love the hat. It's kind of like Captain Morgan with a clam hat. Right? Yeah, so for the folks who hadn't seen it, it's a giant clam I wear on my head, and I have a Prussian military officer's a flame red <laughs> a velvet jacket with clams on the lapel, and a, a, a friend of mine crocheted a little cartoon clam that, that I've sewed to the shoulder. And uh, it started out as a little bit of a, a gag to market my clams and to market the clam industry, but it kind of developed a life of its own and just took off. And a, a very talented filmmaker here in, uh, in Gainesville named Alex Davidovsky from, um, from Mirador Studios decided to make uh, a documentary about it called Rise of the Clambassador. And it started out, it was going to be a little eight-minute film about the industry, but it morphed into a, really a story about the culture of the island. And just on a lark, we submitted it to some to, to some uh, film festivals, and it went on a, a tear of winning film festivals around the world. We won the International Ocean Film Festival in San Francisco. I flew out to the red carpet in my clam hat, gave a big speech. Uh, the Paris Short Film Festival, uh, I think we received laurels at more than 25 uh, film festivals around around the world. And that's really a credit to Alex Davidovsky. He's just a remarkable, you know, Gainesville is such a great place uh, for folks from different walks of life and different artistic disciplines to intersect. And in the case of me and Alex, we sort of just collided and we took what was meant to be a little short industry film. And I've been all over the world now and the Clambassador has has become its own thing. Wow. So are you kind of like um, the 
Cedar Key um, government as it is recognizes you as such? <laughs> well, you know, a, a clan ambassador can only be ordained from God. So it's uh, I don't think the local government has anything to do with it. So I'm kidding. But but as far as government goes, um, after the recent hurricanes and the you know the devastation the island and the clam industry has experienced, I've spent a good amount of time in Tallahassee lobbying uh, for help from the state government to protect the industry, to protect this unique old world Florida place. And um you know, my role as the clan ambassador and the notoriety around it got me into more doors than than I would have without this silly cartoon character. That's cool. Well, we're going to come back in just a few minutes mm-hmm. and we're going to talk more about the new novel that mm-hmm. you've written, some of your plays, and then just other things that you've been doing on the island. And I know that you were instrumental in letting the world know about what was going on during Hurricane Idalia recently and the destruction it caused in Cedar Key. Um, you were the one that kind of kept the place together. You were helping people that you refused to leave the island because you wanted to help people. So let's get more into that, sure. and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Thank you. Welcome back to Tell Me About It on WUFT 89.1 and 90.1. I'm Sue Wagner here today with Michael Presley Bobbitt. He is a novelist, a playwright, a clambassador, <laughs> an MBA, a real estate appraiser, you name it, he's done it. But uh, he's had great success now with his very first novel, which is is launching here during this time of year. And um, it's pretty cool how you've done the research, but you're telling the story. It's almost like a historical mm-hmm. novel about Cedar Key with a little different bent on <laughs> it. And um, also during Hurricane Idalia, you were instrumental in kind of getting the word about out about what was really happening because you did not leave the island and you actually helped some people who could not leave the island. And um, you made a friendship with a certain weather forecaster <laughs> named Jim Cantori and uh, helped cover the event for mm-hmm. several different news outlets. So tell us a little bit about that. So uh, Jim Cantori is a wild man. Uh, Jim, if you're listening, how's it going, man? Uh, so, you know, we always see him and I, I give him a little grief about how he'll be out in the storm with a baseball helmet on and, you know, leaning into the wind. But uh, Jim is really a, a wonderful advocate for the areas that he covers. So um, he came and, and covered the devastation of the storm. But to his credit, he came back uh, a handful of months later because he wanted to cover the recovery efforts, too. He had showed the world how bad we were beat up, but he wanted to tell the story of the resilient island and what we were doing to come back to life and I was fortunate enough to put him on my boat, and we spent all day out on the clam leases, and he got in the water and helped us pull up clams so we could show the world the difference between a healthy bag of clams and ones that had been killed by the metric, millions of metric tons of, of silt and mud that were washed in with the storm surge. Uh, Jim and his crew, uh, his producer Steve, just wonderful guys. Uh, not only super skillful at what they do, uh, he's a world-class meteorologist. We think about him as being this rock star on TV, but he really knows his stuff. Caring guy. We always and, don't want him to come to our town. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I've been uh, really happy about our new friendship. Well, that's great. So are things, uh, they're kind of getting back to, I guess, normal is not there yet, but at least the industry is starting or trying to recover? We are. So we're, we're sneaking up on the six-month anniversary of the storm making oh. landfall. And uh, there are some iconic places in the island that are, are destroyed and will never come back. Uh, the, the Beachfront Motel at the corner of uh, G Street, you know, right there on the, on the curve, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably not going to make it back. Um, we'll probably see that being demolished shortly. Oh, it was shortly. very close to the water. It was. Um, it was a great place. Even to, on a regular day. It yeah, very... it was a great place to sit and watch the storm come in until it wasn't. Um, Duncan's on the Gulf. Uh, that building on Dock Street is substantially destroyed. 
um, one of my favorite uh, restaurants, Peter and Gina Stefani's restaurant, uh, the Island, the Island Room. Uh, it was, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's on the ground floor facing the Gulf, big, beautiful picture windows. Uh, the storm literally just pushed in that entire wall and took everything that was in the restaurant and just ate it, just took it out into the Gulf. It was gone. Uh, they're working hard to get that restaurant back up and going. And that had happened before, and they did restore it. It had, and they had put hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. And uh, you really got to admire their tenacity. They're not going to give up. They're going to stay. Oh, it's great. And they, you know, they make Peter makes world class food. We're all all the folks that live there can't wait to get back in there and and get uh, and and get his delicious food. That's great. And um, you said there were other historical places, such as the Island Hotel, mm-hmm. which has survived for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. I believe, or at least 100 years, and it, the water just never gets in. It's amazing. It's the oldest uh, building on the island, and Andy and those folks there have been running it. They're the latest uh, gener- family of, that, uh, that have been running it, and the water made it just below the threshold of the door and thankfully receded. Um, it's, it's a great place. If you've never been to the, uh, the Neptune Lounge there, it's just, it's like an old school. Iconic. It's an iconic old <laughs> dive bar. Um, I don't even like bars, and I love going to the Neptune Lounge. That's great. Well, your experience, uh, I know you've focused on the history of Cedar Key, but your clam experience mm-hmm. and now your weather experience, is that maybe a future topic of a novel? Uh, well, maybe. I mean, I, I... I know you don't want to give it away. Well, well, everything that I... Well, first of all, this novel is, I think, probably the first, and I envision a a three novel arc. So I think it'll probably be a trilogy. The The characters uh, in this novel mean so much to me. I'm, I'm not ready to stop, uh, to, to stop digging into their lives. And uh, what I think is great about the novel is that they've endured this terrible tragedy. And it's a, it's a tragedy that, you know, all of us who grew up during the Cold War, we spent most of our lives worrying that a nuclear holocaust could happen. You know, but we've had a few decades of relative prosperity and peace, and that issue's kind of been put out of our mind. Um, but recently, with some of the events happening in Ukraine and elsewhere around the world, uh, it's really brought it back into focus. This is definitely something that could happen. And uh, so the possibility of that happening got me thinking, what would we do here on our little island? And the answer is, we would do what we always do, what we do in the face of hurricanes, in the face of pandemics. Uh, we lean on each other, and we lean on community, and we get through it together. And so uh, I think I want to tell more stories about these people on this little island, um, really relying on true community. Well, no doubt this uh, novel is going to launch a book tour. Mm-hmm. It'll probably go worldwide, but you also mentioned you are covering the sixth anniversary of Hurricane Idalia. And um, I mean, your approach to the news, it's like, it seems like you're a seasoned weathercaster <laughs> and newscaster, but you know, you kind of tell it like it is. And I think that's what makes people think it's more believable. Well, I appreciate that. And, and we, we are sneaking up on the six-month anniversary of, um, of Idalia's landfall. Uh, the clam industry in particular was was devastated. More than 80%. And the oyster too, right? The oysters too. Uh, more than 80% of the crop in the entire Cedar Key area. And, and lots of farmers had more than 90% total loss. And, uh, and there are some insurance and government programs in place, uh, but they're slow moving. So none of that aid has made it to the island yet. And uh, the negative effect of that is that some of us who are doing a little better, we're going to survive. But the mom and pop farmers that, that really just operate at the margins, we've lost roughly a third of the clam farmers already. Um, and there's only a certain season where you can get seed to plant new clams. And we're quickly getting to the end of that. And no aid has made it. So some of those small farmers have just had to close up shop and go find a job somewhere. And that really is the most heartbreaking part of it. Um, have to go off the island. Then. Have to go off the island. This is Cedar Key really is the last place 
where you can make an old Florida living. Uh, one, one guy with a boat and two people from his family or two crewmen can make a good living. Um, but when you have a ca- catastrophic event like this, it's, you know, it's difficult. And uh, I'm always out here ringing the bell for the soul and culture of this little island because you really, every other coastal place in Florida seems to be an amalgam of each other. It's hard to tell when you leave one and enter another. As soon as you cross the number four bridge onto Cedar Key, it's an island lost in time. And I think it's, it's worth protecting. And you also um, have been very instrumental in helping the local high school as well, and you're now doing an annual shark swim, yes, Cedar Key Shark Swim, which I had no idea there were so many sharks there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, our, and our, our mascot at the school is the shark. Uh, so, yeah, every year in August we do a swim from the island of Atsinaoti, and I'm saying it incorrectly. The locals will say it's pronounced Sinaoti. Uh, Atsinaoti is actually just a made-up word. It's a, it's a cobbled together of several Muscogean Indi- Indian words. So oh, okay. it, I should be calling it Sinaoti, but your listeners probably know it as Atsinaoti. We, uh, we have everyone that will show up swim from that island back to the main island. And they're usually in weird costumes Oh, yeah, we dress. Uh, so there are you know, a handful of folks who are trying to win the race, but most folks are just making a day of it. Shark costumes, inflatable unicorn rafts. It's just tomfoolery of all, of all ilk. And it's just a wonderful time. People come from all over the state. Um, I stand down in the water with a bullhorn and announce everyone's finished like they've, you know, like they've just won the Tour de France. <laughs> it's really terrific. And so we raise uh, thousands of dollars every year for the school. And, and the, benef- the, the beneficiary is always the school, but we pick a new section of the school. The first year we helped fund a playground for the kindergarten. This last year we funded the entire budget for the aquaculture program to teach the next generation nice. of clam farmers and oyster, oyster men and women to do what we do. And uh, that feels really good. Well, you know, you are definitely the official Clambassador, and now Novelist is on your title. The new book is called Godspeed Cedar Key, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to read it. It's going to be a fun time and a, and a learning time mm-hmm. as well. So, Michael, anytime you want to come back, tell us. I'm sure your new book will be out, what, in a month or so? Uh, yep. No, the next book. I oh, the next <laughs> Well, I'm well into it. So. <laughs> well, good. Well, we'd love to have you back again, so Wonderful. thank you. That was Michael Presley Bobbitt, author of Godspeed Cedar Key, on today's episode of Tell Me About It. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go online at wuft.org slash tellmeaboutit or on the WUFT media app. I'm Sue Wagner on Tell Me About It on WUFT.